0: You're listening to the Comic Book Informer podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 159 of Comic Book Informer coming to you on February 11th. Roger, I just read some fantastic news. Okay. (laughs) Coming in May. Unfortunately, it's only a miniseries, but I'll take what they're willing to give me. Five issues of The Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. Cool. Yeah. uh, Written by Mike Benson, who I've not heard of. But uh, now that X-Men Legacy has wrapped up, uh, Tan Ang Huat is actually going to be doing the artwork for it, too. Awesome. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, So color me excited for that. We're going to get Iron Fist and Shang-Chi at the same
0: time. Come on. (laughs) You worked on that one. That was that bad that I know you worked on it. What? (laughs) Your bad pun. I did not even go for a pun, but okay. You were just talking about the art, and then you said, color me excited. Completely unintentional. So you're just lame unintentionally, is what you're saying? It's my
1: natural state of being. (laughs) I always have said... (laughs) All right. Well, for the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been focusing a lot on first issues that have come out. Uh, Two weeks ago, we did a a lot of the new Marvel number ones. Last week, we did looked at some other number two. There's a next wave in there somewhere. I'm confused. I don't know what day it is anymore. But we've been talking a lot about new stuff lately. (laughs) So I thought this week would be a cool time to dive into some ongoings that we've been liking. And just checking out them starting up some new storylines and... Just diving in in the middle, which is something we haven't done in quite a while without examining an entire story, just individual issues. So I actually wanted to choose something from Marvel, something from DC and something from outside the box. And the one I was going to choose was Invincible, but we kind of covered that last week. So I had to make a substitution, but we'll get back to that later. We're actually going to start off with Marvel and kind of a twofer. We have all new X-Men number 22 and Guardians of the Galaxy number 11. Uh, X-Men by Brian Michael Bendis, Stuart Imonen, Wade Von Graubadger, and Marte Gracia, And Guardians by Bendis and Sarah Pacelli and Justin Ponsor. And interestingly enough, these are both marked right on the cover, big as can be. Part one of The Trial of Gene Grey. What are you doing to me, Marvel? <laughs> I was just praising a couple of weeks ago how I actually liked, you know, the overall aesthetic of not renumbering but still calling out, hey, this is something new going on. And then you got to do something stupid like this.
0: Your expectations are higher than mine.
1: Not anymore. Okay. I, I give up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it partially makes sense because they're both like – they're not even part ones. Like these are both part zero. Like they're both prequels to the actual event because they they take place at the same time just in different places. I mean on the X-Men side of things, we have a very entertaining scene between Scott and Gene uh, still trying to come to grips with their current situation and their relationship. Gene – Still can't control her mind-reading powers and that pisses off Scott and poor Warren stuck in the middle. (laughs) That was priceless. That that was the best part of that whole scene was Warren trying to get a word in and just avoid conflict.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was great. You would have thought that would have been a scene they would have put Bobby in that would have fit as well. But this, I liked it. He he just looks so damn uncomfortable.
1: Well, I I also like that they even – he even said that at the end after the two of them walked away, he's like, man – Wish Bobby could have been here yeah. to see that.
0: <laughs> and it's a nice aesthetic with the art too because the art is so phenomenal in this. Having the wings over both of um, of uh, Gene and Cyclops. It's it's a really nice aesthetic. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, pretty much the issue
1: is just a long battle between the Shi'ar and the X-Men. Uh, the Shi'ar come to kidnap Gene and they do so. And it half the issue was just fights, like not even a whole lot of talking in the fights. It was just really nice and artwork, which I can't complain about, but it felt somewhat lacking in the content department.
0: Well, the whole thing was like, this is as, as much as I've been really, really enjoying the new X-Men. Um, this is a story Eric, that from the moment you talked about it, I really have had no interest in at all. I think it's <laughs> ridiculous and I my expectations are very, very low that it's going to come across well. And as much as I enjoyed the character development stuff that we saw here between Gene uh, and Cyclops and, you know, the little interactions here and there, as much as I enjoy that, again, the story is banal. It's really not interesting at all. And the, Second part one was the same thing. I, I'll let you get into it.
1: Yeah, the second part one uh, within Guardians kind of just declares how goofy of a story concept this is when you have all of the the leaders of the galaxy gathered together and talking about how the Shi'ar want to you know slightly break the treaty they've set up and go to Earth to kidnap Jean Grey because she's the Phoenix, and like they even flat out say, but she hasn't done anything yet, and gladiators just doesn't care and like right there it it is like especially when you put it into words in the actual comic how awkward of a concept it is it doesn't come off terribly well
0: no it's the again this just reinforced what i was thinking was going to be happening and uh in fact even worse the the only thing that's making it passable is the little moments the little scenes here and there but, I mean, you're not buying a comic or an, a story arc for little asides. You're buying it because you're interested in that story arc. And that little scene as well with Rocket Raccoon and the crew when they're watching Tony was funny as hell, I will say. I enjoyed it. It was cute. It was cliche. But it was cute and it was funny. Um, but, I mean, and then the little bit of stuff with the Gamora as well was, was cute and entertaining. But overall the concept of what's going on is is just not enjoyable for me personally yeah, again it's just so ludicrous
1: i i have a hope for it like i i, I want it to be good and I've, i have faith in bendis as a storyteller of course I, I yeah i'm i was more into the concept of this crossover before i started reading
0: it though yeah i I'll I'll keep reading it because it's an important story arc. I'm going to assume in the canon going forward, or what's going to be happening, especially with the new or with the old X Men being here, kind of thing. So I'm I'm assuming it's going to be important. But in terms of enjoyment so far, yeah, none.
1: Although uh, I do have to say, I also really liked Sarah uh, Paikelly's artwork in oh this issue. Oh my God, it was amazing. I- this is one of those artists that realize they 're stuck with that awful Angela costume, but still makes it work yeah. and makes it look better than other artists have
0: r art was amazing
1: I, and they even had uh when when the scroll was pretended to be Gamera, like I face palmed really hard at the beginning because they had Gamera back in her awful old costume. Yeah. And I was like, why would Sarah Pichelli be drawing her in this costume? Like, it just didn't seem like her style, the type of stuff she does. And then it, the way it actually, you know, unfolded in the story of finding out it was imposter, you know, of course she'd be wearing the wrong costume you know, trying to put Peter, you know, off his game. Like it, it made sense and it, it actually worked out overall. Yeah. All right. So moving away from Marvel, we're actually going to save the best for last, which means we're not going with DC for once. We're actually taking a trip over to IDW and we have, since you're still way behind on Ninja Turtles, I I don't, I I would have liked to talk about the, uh, the kind of the storyline they're doing now after city fall where it's really good. Like there's no fighting, there's no action. It's just the turtles chilling out on a farm and just relaxing and coming to grips with all the crazy stuff that's happened. And even then it's been really good. But we can't talk about that because you refuse to read that. that you want to read The Bull- Walking Dead instead.
0: Bullshit. And I will bleep that out, but bullshit. <laughs> it's not that I refuse to read it. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. But I will. Walking Dead was just there. It was just there. So I read it. That's all it is
1: there's your official comic book informer review of the walking dead it was there there. so
0: i read it yeah (laughs) i don't honestly i don't know how much longer that even that's gonna happen because every time i am reading it just when it's there i'm disappointed so i'm like it's close to just calling it quits forever and that's it
1: Mm -hmm. and yes technically this is an issue number one which violates what i said we were going on with this issue with this episode but uh I'm still calling it because it's it's not a new number 1. It's it's what we've seen from the Ninja Turtles that I like what they've been doing is they're telling a very good core story, but they've been doing a lot of spin-offs and mini-series and even like the one-shots that really expand upon that core universe and it over the last couple of years, I think it's been a huge credit to the line that it gives them an opportunity to tell all this great story without slowing down the pace of the main comic. Yeah. So what we have here is the first issue of the Utram Empire miniseries written by Paul Allor, art by Andy Kuhn and Bill Crabtree. And I actually was really into certain parts of this at least <laughs> like because – We've been hearing all this stuff over the last couple of years about Krang, the Warlord, and the Dimension X, and the planets, and all his crazy plots for taking over the Earth, but we haven't gotten any backstory to that. We've gotten tons of backstory with the Shredder and the Foot Clan, but this very important aspect of the franchise has gone relatively unexplored up until this point. So I thought it was really fun getting to finally see the backstory of the Utroms themselves. I agree. Because there's definitely a lot of drama going on here. You know, it goes back millions of years, actually. It shows Utram explorers coming to ancient Earth to take dinosaur DNA to make their soldiers. And again, that's one of those cool little things where the Triceratons were... I don't even know if they were in the original comics. I know they were in the original cartoon. But they were never really explained. They were just, oh, yeah, they're talking dinosaurs. Okay. And, but they give them backstory. They tie them in with the lore of the universe. And they make them work by setting them up as this, this soldier force that the Utrams use to conquer the galaxy. And it goes on to the story of how they just continue to expand and expand. They're basically becoming warmongers, ignoring everything that's wrong with their territory, just in efforts to keep going and how the way it
0: all comes crashing
1: down. I thought that was really
0: well done. I like too that the, the central character is fugitoid, which is a really fun character. I I like the character. I like, um, I like all of like his, his personality and everything and his backstory. So I, I enjoy whenever they put him in a story.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. See, uh, that was my one small
1: issue with this comic was they spent so much time doing that great backstory with Krang and the Utroms. It left very little time for Fugitoid and Stockman. So when all of a sudden Stockman just goes from, hey, you know, I'm here to get you out to let's commit genocide. Like it, it, was, it was pretty quick and I have a feeling that's what they wanted to go to with the story. But I know it just didn't mesh too well for me.
0: While I agree, I think that because there was so much else going on that it made sense not to waste too much time on on that, but that it's leading to something much more important coming up in future issues is what I took out of it. Mm-hmm.
1: But still, if you're enjoying the Ninja Turtles monthly ongoing, this is yet another side story that I'd highly recommend checking out. Yeah. As as great as that uh, Secret History of the Foot Clan miniseries was, it it sets the bar high, and I can only hope that Utrum Empire at least comes close to what they accomplished there.
0: Yeah, although I I don't know if it's going to be that good. Yeah,
1: I I don't know if anything will be that yeah. good. <laughs> All right. And then swinging back around to DC, I've been saying for months that Earth 2 has actually been a pretty fun read. Uh, Back when James Robinson was writing it, he was doing some cool stuff. And then as soon as Tom Taylor took over, it just reached another level of insanity and character development and fun and everything you would want in a comic book. So – Okay. Before you go any further.
0: All right. Do you know offhand when he actually took over? I think issue 19 was his first. Okay. Because I need to go back and get those. Like, no <laughs> Yeah, doubt so about.
1: we have the annual here, which I felt was actually a pretty good introduction to what they're doing. It doesn't require a whole lot of knowledge of what's been going on in the comic. And it's a pretty good self-contained story of this particular universe. Written by Tom Taylor, art by Robin Robson, Roca, Scott Hanna, and Pete Pentazis. And this is our backstory of the new Earth 2 Batman, where we know in Earth 2, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman were all... Thought to have been killed uh when Dark Side invaded. Uh, we've recently found out that Superman's not quite as dead as we thought he is. He's just evil now. And this gives us the backstory to the new Batman that showed up recently. And judging from what you mentioned on Twitter, you were really into
0: this. Oh, this was this did exactly what a one shot like this is supposed to do. And that's what annuals are supposed to be. Um, In my opinion, yeah, sometimes they tie into stories. But I prefer when they're a one-shot story like this. It's just this, you know, epic one story that you can pack into more than just 22 pages. And Mm -hmm. what it's supposed to do is make it so that you, if you haven't been reading it, you need to go back and pick up those issues. And it's supposed to hook you in. That's my opinion from a marketing standpoint. And I have not been reading Earth 2. I know you've said over and over again it's gotten fairly good. Um, but I had not been reading it and I read this and it blew me away. I mean, which is no surprise seeing as it's Taylor. I mean, I saw that it was Taylor who wrote it and I knew, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be like really enjoyable. I didn't know it would be this good. This, this was well beyond what I was expecting.
1: It had some of those elements that we liked from the uh, the Flashpoint Batman, with yes. discovering that it's Thomas Wayne under the cowl instead of Bruce, but the way the story was told and how we find out that Thomas Wayne wasn't you know as squeaky clean as he's been shown in any other interpretation, and th- Thomas and Martha Wayne have been you know these <laughs> these angelic figures in just about every
0: interpretation of Batman. So, well, not just it, just about. Uh, no, I don't proclaim to have read all the back issues, obviously, and all that. But have you ever read a story that has used this kind of story that portrays them in this kind of light?
1: Well, Martha Wayne was the Joker in Flashpoint.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that's different. That's that's a, a woman who kind of lost it after losing her child. And, and it's not excusable, but in the in the – Oh, my God, I can't find my word. (laughs) Medicated to all hell today. Okay, so cut (laughs) me some slack. But in the context, see, that's the word. In the context of the story, it it makes sense. It can be allowed. This is not that. This is like loose and drugs and everything else. And so it portrays it very differently. And then when you find out as well that, hell, Wayne has been alive and hiding out this whole time. Again, this is something that... I know I personally have never even read any kind of hint of something like this before.
1: Yeah, I, I can't recall any offhand, but I'm also not well versed enough to say absolutely it's yeah. never been done before. Because I don't want to make that statement. <laughs> Coward! Don't piss off the Batman fans. It's <laughs> all <laughs> DC has left. <laughs> but I, I also liked the 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 actual way the story was told of the. Misdirection of making us think that the new Batman was actually Jarvis Pennyworth, uh, Alfred's father, who was an absolute badass himself. And yet when they pulled the 180 and revealed that it was Thomas instead, it didn't feel cheap because it still made sense within the context of the story.
0: Very much. Very much. And that's the thing, too. Like, how many times have we seen a story like this where they pull something out of the air and you're like, oh, come on. I, especially me, I, I facepalm all the time when I'm reading stupid crap like that. Not at all with this. It was a fun, shocking story, but it did not feel forced or fake at all. I, oh man, loved it.
1: And how he realized he screwed up, he made mistakes, still tried to be the best father he could be in absentia, and took on the mantle of the bat to honor his fallen son. And not only that, but he's telling all of this to his teammates now, telling them flat out that he's not a trustworthy person. And i that's – again, that's something you don't see terribly often.
0: Not just that, but point blank saying he's going to have to stay on drugs yeah. in order to be able to do this because he's in his 60s. So it's not a squeaky – not that Batman has ever been – you know, squeaky clean. Um, You got the the painkiller abuse in his old age, but that's reasonable to make sense. It's something I can certainly relate to. (laughs) But this is just point blank. Are
1: you saying you're Batman runner? I am.
0: I'm Batman. You're Canadian Batman. (laughs) Which just makes him more awesome. (laughs) Um, But anyways, this is is way different than that. And it sure puts a, a new spin on what we can expect from, Batman going for it seriously dude I am going back and, and I'll actually go back and I'll read even the ones that Taylor did not write but I'm going back and reading all of them and as long as the story can keep going with this quality of writing pfft, You've got me. I, I will be reading every single month and talking about it on this podcast.
1: And, and it's just a lot of fun because we see here we have, you know, Hawk Girl in this issue, Red Tornado, which turns out is actually Lois Lane, great yeah. backstory there. They find a Kryptonian that's been in captivity. Aqua Woman was in the latest issue. You, know, you still have Flash and Doctor Fate, Green Lantern. I I'm just really enjoying what they're doing with this
0: universe. Yeah. Yeah, this was awesome.
1: So, you know, showing that you don't have to have a number one on your on the front of your comic to, to go in new directions and do some cool new stuff. So props to the companies that are doing it right. Yeah. Which is All surprising
0: right. that it's DC in this case.
1: <laughs> How long has it been since we actually had something good to say about a DC now, We comic? have,
0: well, especially the Tom Taylor stuff. But, I mean, we still need to actually one – One episode, go back and do some more on what has been going on in Batman now and stuff. There is some good stuff going on. We just aren't talking about it very much.
1: That's the thing. I'm actually not quite digging Zero Year. Okay, well. It just hasn't been working out for me. Right. Especially when they did the weird bone tooth monster thing. I don't know. That was... Anyway, (laughs) for what we've been reading this week, I read the latest issue of Mighty Avengers... And my God, what a difference an actual artist can make. I, oh, I don't have it right at Number hand. Number six
0: you're talking about, right? Yes. Yeah, I read it too. Let me
1: pull that up real the quick. Artist the artist
0: is uh, Valerio...
1: Yeah, Valerio Schietti. Shitty Skeety. Valerio Skeety. And it's so, so refreshing to have the characters expressing emotions that matched the dialogue in the scene. Yeah. And like, we had some great character stuff here. I'm super curious now what they're going to do between Luke Cage and Blue Marvel, uh, hinting at obviously some sort of history between the two of them. I I loved the fun of White Tiger unpacking all of Luke's old awful outfits. (laughs) And the stuff with Falcon, I mean, Skeety absolutely nailed the artwork and those scenes with the Falcon and the birds. It felt like they, Falcon was friggin' Batman. It was so awesome at one point. Yeah,
0: the the panel layout, especially with putting the little narratives kind of at the end, just the presentation of it and how it felt like you felt like you were in a, uh, you know, a, a reading a novel at points. It was, yeah, it was quite good. Yeah. So I, I'm still liking
1: the, the characters and definitely a step up from the last issue. Last issue was a little iffy at points, but giving everybody some development, bringing the team together and with good artwork. If this is the comic we can get, maybe they'll move Greg Land off to something
0: else again. I'm a hundred percent. Something behind. that we don't want to read. You know what? I only had one issue with this. Can you guess?
1: Uh, hit me.
0: After everything that's happened in the last couple of issues, There's no way in hell that Luke or Jessica would put their kid in a Spider-Man little onesie. Would not happen. (laughs) It's cute as hell. But every time I saw it, I was like, no way. Luke Cage would not put a Spider-Man onesie on his kid after what just happened. Okay. (laughs) I can buy that.
1: (laughs) I also read the new Loki Agent of Asgard comic, which I know you wouldn't read. <laughs> I so, <didn't> read it. <laughs> and I, I had mixed feelings about the concept of this comic going in. I still do. I don't know if it's something I'm going to enjoy long term, but I did enjoy the first issue. It had you know the, the mischievous Loki stuff that we've come to expect. Uh, lots of great interactions with the Avengers. That was fun, and then just Al Ewing, the way he. Pulled a nice twist on us with the last uh, page of the comic. That has me interested <laughs> in seeing what they do with that plot development. So I, again, I'm not entirely sure I'm exactly the target audience for this comic going forward, but uh, it still at least has my interest after the first issue.
0: All right.
1: And then finally, the Miss Marvel number one. Yeah, did you check that uh, one? Out? Of course I did. And really liked this. they are doing such great work developing the character of kamala khan pretty much forgetting about the entire superheroing this is just a nice origin story for her and as i've said the realism present in her characterization is brilliant uh i was actually telling uh Remember when we talked about the point one, I told you a good friend of mine is Pakistani and a lot of the character stuff they were doing with her reminded me of her. So I, I was actually ta- talking to her the other day. I was like, oh, yeah, they put out this uh, comic. She doesn't care about comic books. but," I, And I told her, I was like – and it reminded me so much of the stories that you tell me about – you know, your life at home and your relationship with your parents and your brother, it's very realistic. And the fact that they were able to nail that so perfectly is great. And I was actually uh, doing some research and finding out the, uh, God, I just blanked out on the writer's name too. I'm Wilson. terrible at my job. Yeah. G. Willow Wilson, that uh, she actually converted to Islam when she was in college and moved to Egypt, lived there for a couple of years, taking in the culture. And now has become a great comic book writer. And it shows that this is what you get when you bring diversity into your creative staff. You get yeah. more diverse characters out of that. And, and so I've been hearing so many stories about people who walked into comic shops for the first time in their life because they wanted to read the comic with this character. Really? Yes. Nice. And what was shocking to me is this was actually Marvel's number one selling digital comic last week. More than Iron Man, more than X-Men, more than Loki, more than anything else last week. And that shows that people, if you're buying it digitally, you're buying it because you want to read it. There's no perceived collector's value of just picking up a new number one. So it shows that they're, they're embracing diversity and people are into it and it's coming around and they're seeing great rewards as far as sales are concerned from that. So all around great
0: job. Well, Miss Marvel is really proven to to be a massive cult thing going on right now. Like a lot of people like that IP. So being able to kind of play with it as well in this way and reimagine it with her this new character is is phenomenal. And then adding that breadth of diversity that doesn't come off as being forced is nice. Now, that being said, this was the first issue. So I anticipated there would be a lot and that's cool. That's fine. But I'm just hoping that going forward, it's not going to be as heavy centric with the home life as it will everything else because we do want to read about the adventures and everything else not just the adventures at home which is great to have as backstories and all that it's just this was i I was anticipating more stuff with how the actual origin begins with how she gets the powers and whatnot whereas that's really just the last couple of pages and that's it
1: yeah well i was disappointed in that aspect as well. I can't say it took away from the overall oh, quality of the not comic. at all.
0: Which is why I'm saying I'm just hoping that going forward there'll be a nice blend of the two. It certainly doesn't mean I want, you know, to be no home life stories and things like that not at all because that family is super interesting that they've created here and something that's going to be fun to watch how she interacts with them especially once she gets, you know, used to her abilities and whatnot. So, yeah, I know the the the, it felt authentic. It felt so well written. The people were were fun to read. The art, I said this before. I love this style. I I, I love this artist style. It's it's fantastic, and it fits with her character so well. Yeah. So that's all I've got for us this week. Okay, well I got a couple of other ones. Did you read the uh, brand new number one version six of uh, Wolverine? No. Nah. Um, this is he's in with a, a a new team, and it's he doesn't have his healing factor, and he's breaking in somewhere, and has to be more careful about. Um what he's doing so he doesn't get hurt so you have like you know aurora who cares about him and talking to him and trying to get him to realize that but he's not handling it very well um i like the (laughs) i like the weapons training with black widow (laughs) because he's not the same he doesn't he can't fight the same so Mm -hmm. he's getting you know training with weapons handguns from from black widow i thought it was pretty funny and then they they changed his outfit too so that he's got like this really strong armor so he doesn't have to worry kind of thing um it does not appear now i could be wrong maybe it's just the art how the art was done but it doesn't even look like those are his claws popping out, but rather Hmm. they're claws that are attached to his outfit because the, the artist made a point in my opinion of making it look like again, those, it's a different kind of, it's not, it's a a padding over the glove while a metal padding kind of thing over the glove. And the claws are coming out of that, not out of his fists. Interesting. And yeah, see, I'm looking at it even closer and yeah, that's exactly what it is. So because he can't, Pop his claws because every time he does, he's going to be ripping his skin open. He's using those claws instead. So yeah, they're coming out of the forearm. You can see above the fist. Um, I mean, there were parts of it that were that were that were good. Overall, meh. Put it that way. So.
1: Although I'm happy they're still sticking with their. Plot direction.
0: For however long they intend to do that, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's months longer than we anticipated yeah, at this really point is. anyway. Yeah. Did you read the Batman and Robin annual number two? I have not read the
1: Batman and whatever they're calling it that month in quite a while. Yeah.
0: It's Robin. It's Batman and Robin. It's,
1: uh... Well, there, there's been Batman and Two-Face and Batman and it, it's been all over the place yeah. lately.
0: Well, I'm just saying this one is okay. Batman and Robin. Um, so they start off with like how many months ago, seven months ago, and it's uh nightwing and uh, and Damien sitting and talking kind of thing. And they had a fun relationship, those two, mm-hmm. and then present day and um, and Bruce finds that the quote unquote "Robin cave." <laughs> no bats or butlers allowed, <laughs> and it's in the ceiling, and there's a package there that's addressed to um to Grayson. so they call Grayson over, and then the, the 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 little piece of paper on the the package says, "Pay back for Grayson telling me that long, boring story about his first week as Robin so of course, Bruce wants to know what did you tell him and so Grayson goes into the story of his first week with Batman and screwing up and having to gain his confidence back and all that. It's nothing original kind of thing, but it was still enjoyable. But the little flashbacks and the little, how the twist with what it is that, that Damien left him, it's actually a, f- a fun little issues. I, hmm. I, I, I did enjoy it.
1: All right. May check it out then.
0: Yeah. Um, I got caught up on the Cataclysm stuff. Have you been keeping up with that? Is
1: that only the core series? I I checked out on the Ultimates and X-Men (sighs) tie-ins.
0: The X-Men one was bad. I'm sorry, but I didn't enjoy that at all. I, I, yeah, I just wasn't digging it. But then it was towards the end of the X-Men stuff. I had clocked out. When, it, and when they were really starting in with the war with Gene, kind of stuff, it was like, no, this has just gotten meh. I just yeah. haven't been enjoying it. Um, completely different now. Did you hear of a series called Hacktivist?
1: I heard of it it's from Archaea. I, I, I didn't really
0: look at it. Okay. Um, it's from Archaea. <laughs> it was created by Alyssa Milano. <laughs> the freaking chick from Who's the Boss? <laughs> okay, I don't know what she has to do with this, but there you have it. And it's written by uh, Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly and illustrated by Marcus Toe. Um, basically, it while it starts off with uh, a woman who is kind of leading this rebellion, it cuts after, I don't know, six or seven pages to a couple of geniuses who are billionaires and they're hackers and they've got their own company. And it's, it's the social network kind of thing that they're working towards. It made me think very much of that anime that we talked about on Popcorn Ronin that one time, the one that you really like. What's the one well, that you, the, the, you like the song so much. What the hell was the name of that one again? Oh, um, gotcha, man. Right. So that kind of thing with the, the social okay. network kind of, that's everywhere. And they're trying to get people to, to use it. Um, anyway so you you have these two geniuses and they're trying to not just change the world with that but also by hacking and you know enabling revolutions and different things like that it was interesting it was it was it was not phenomenal i liked it more when actually you got the story with the the woman in the the midst of that revolution going on um Then the two guys kind of bickering back and forth. So I don't know what it's going to be like going forward, but it it was, it was different than a lot of the stuff that we've seen nowadays, you know, from, from both camps. I shouldn't say from both camps, from all of the, the publishers. So, I mean, it's, it's worth checking out at least at number one to see whether or not you, you like it and, uh, and to support Arkea as well. All right. So that's it for me.
1: Okay then, on to this week's new releases. We have All-New X-Factor number 3. This is from Marvel, I forgot to put that in there, but I think you know who publishes the X-Factor. All-New X-Men number 23, Avengers number 26, Deadpool number 23, Continuing Revolutionary War with Death's Head 2, She-Hulk number 1, superior spider-man 27 thor god of thunder 19 of course with the movie coming out we have to have a winter soldier comic uh miniseries called the bitter march number one wolverine and the x-men number 41 we have the new x-force number one and shocked they didn't call it all new (laughs) x-force and we have the final final sad issue of x-men legacy with number 24
0: sad but cannot wait to read it anyways <laughs> seriously what's with the uh, she-hulk who's writing that do you know offhand uh that is charles soul hmm. okay. yes and from
1: dc we have batgirl number 28 batman number 28 your print version of injustice year two number two justice league 3000 number three justice league of america number 12 nightwing number 28 and superman wonder woman number five Image brings us Fatal, number 20, Manifest Destiny, number 4, and Walking Dead, number 121. It's there. IDW, we have Transformers Robots in Disguise, number 26, and from Valiant Eternal Warrior, number 6. So that's going to wrap us up here at Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. So until next time, thanks for listening.